Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice, Rob, Pete, and Davey react to all the early offseason moves. What does the Carlson signing and Truba trade mean for fantasy? Who has gained the most value from their play in the playoffs? And what coaching change will make the most difference heading into fantasy drafts? The boys have all the answers. Early off-season fantasy chatter is right around the bend. It's officially the off-season here. We're talking fantasy hockey. Pete Jensen, Rob Reese, and Dave Satriano on NHL Draft Week. So many moves already been made, and we got the band back together to break all the ones down. What's up, boys, and welcome, Davey. Nice to see you. I know you were out of the office traveling around for the Stanley Cup playoffs, so good to see you, buddy. It's great to be back here, the Blues. How about that, guys? Who would have thought this five months ago that this is where we would be right now, the Stanley Cup champs? Congratulations to the Blues, but I don't want to ever hear that song, Gloria, again. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little played out at this point. It's already been... A crazy week. We have an Eric Carlson signing. We have trades. But I think we can all agree the top player, one of the top players in fantasy heading into next season is EK65. He re-upped in San Jose. Big time contract for him. What's the impact here, guys? I mean, we didn't know which team this guy was going to be playing on. And it turns out that he liked how things were going in San Jose. I mean, let's be honest. This team was banged up all postseason long. They made it to game six of the Western Conference Final with him playing with a groin injury. He's expected to be ready for next season. He didn't even test the waters. That, to me, shows me that he loves playing with Brent Burns. He loves playing with the San Jose Sharks. And it's a great fantasy fit now and moving forward. You know, they still have a lot of moves that the Sharks that they have to do with their roster but when this guy's healthy what do you have 45 points 51 games like it's clear the impact he makes when he's healthy so this was a great move for them to lock him up now and not even have to worry about him they got other pieces which we'll talk about but this was a great move for them to to do and I learned that the the right way Davey when I had uh Carlson on my fantasy team last year when he was healthy there were stretches where this guy was putting up multi points every single night in a row I think it was from uh late December to mid-January where he had that crazy point streak and then got injured and the all-star game kind of break where he played in that and then missed time after that. So it was an overall, I think, a disappointing season for Carlson, but I'm excited to see him stay in San Jose. I think very similar ceiling next year, and I would have him ranked number two right behind Brent Burns heading into next year. I think he has an even higher ceiling than what we've seen so far. We've seen him put up close to a point per game, even when he's been banged up in the postseason, in the regular season. I don't care that he's on the same team as Brent Burns. They're my top two defensemen like they were last year for us. Only I think Carlson could even take it a step further. That's the key to me with this Sharks deal for the entirety of the contract. You're probably, you might get a lot of injuries in between, but you're probably going to get a point-per-game season for 82 games uh, once or twice in the first four years. Yeah, seeing him uh, in the playoffs, there were games where you could tell he just wasn't himself. He was making passes that he wouldn't make, just turnovers. When he's healthy, it's a big if, but... When he is healthy, the type of player he is, even if they you know, don't re-sign a guy like Pavelski or Thornton, he's an impact player, which they need, and eight more years of this is, is great for fantasy owners. Well, their blue line is going to look different because they also shipped out Justin Braun to the Philadelphia Flyers. So the, the whole San Jose Sharks picture is still yet TBD. I think, I mean, Pavelski is the biggest fly on the wall right now. You got to re-sign a guy like that. I mean, you got to get your centers in this league locked up, ready to play. So I would be, as a fantasy owner, real cautious about Joe Pavelski, how that situation plays out, probably will go hand in hand with, with Carlson's fantasy value. And we expected probably like 
Nyquist to be out. He's a potential UFA July 1st. There's also Timo Meyer, who's an RFA. And you talk about how the GMs are all talking around the league. There's going to be some crazy movement. There could be maybe, God forbid, some offer sheets, uh, which would be crazy to see. And Timo Meyer has to come up with those type of names. Uh, and his impact for the Sharks at even strength is invaluable, I think. Well, there's also guys... Uh Patrick Marlowe, who's going to be shipped out of Toronto, he could come back here. How would, you know, good would that be if they have him, him back there and they're a Stanley Cup contender again and he's there, he knows the team? I mean, he's got to try and sell his $12 million home in Ontario before he, before he goes anywhere, Davey. But, and, they, and think about this, too. Toronto also has Mitch Marner as a potential RFA. We're looking at Timo Meyer. We're looking at Mitch Marner. This is the summer of RFAs now that EK65, the biggest UFA names off the board, we're turning our attention to this RFA pool. There are some other RFAs, too. There's Patrick Lyonet, Miko Rantanen, Jordan Bennington, the, the champ, who we'll get to later in the show. We're talking about uh, playoff value gained and his complicated fantasy value uh, heading into next season. But sticking with defensemen, I think the biggest trade to this point of the offseason is Jacob Truba going to the New York Rangers. A lot of people saying highway robbery. I would tend to agree. I think this could really work out for them and makes uh, you know their defensive outlook night and day compared to before the trade. Well, I think uh, I'm going to go back to what you said, Pete, after the trade was announced. I got a text from Pete, and he said, Henrik Lundqvist is probably doing cartwheels here now that he has a <laughs> defenseman in front of him that can play defense, that can score. It's something that the Rangers really haven't uh, seen in a while, and I think it's going to be great for them. We know he does. He plays on the power play. He's, he eats up minutes. He can play every situation. I think this is great for fantasy owners. Yeah, Winnipeg has all those scorers too, but this is he can play more time and have more of a chance here in New York. It could be a potential breakout for Truba. Now, he did have 50 points last year, and keep in mind, this was 50 points when Bufflin and Morrissey both missed significant time. So he had the opportunity finally to kind of crack through and show that he has number one uh, you know, sort of potential. But this is a move where you look at the Rangers' offense, and even with Capocat, projected to go there at number two in the draft. I do look at Truba, and I do have question marks about how many points he can realistically put up on that Rangers team. Well, to play devil's advocate, I love Truba's ex, uh, expectations with the Rangers on paper, but he doesn't have Patrick Lyonet. He doesn't have Mark Shifley. When he was playing on that first power play unit down the stretch of the season, had 19 points in the final 22 games. That was when Bufflin and Morrissey were both banged up and missed the vast majority of that time so and he has defensive issues to uh, make up for with the rest of this Rangers roster right they had Tony D'Angelo out there Neil Pionk uh, Brady Shea not really uh, great defense I would say maybe the worst defense in the NHL prior to the trade so he's going to have to make up for those shortcomings and it's going to be interesting to see how that affects his offensive potential. And with Mark Stahl still there, too, I mean, you do look at that blue line and you think, okay, there's definitely some immediate names that stick out for the wrong reasons. And with Henrik Lundqvist getting up there in age, I mean, I do see a potential bounce back, but that would be more so, I think, just from an, an invigorated team. Maybe Jimmy Vesey also taking another step offensively, Zibanejad being solidified as a 70-plus point guy, and then Kako, Capo coming onto the scene as being a maybe Patrick Laine rookie season, 36 goals type of ceiling for him, too. And they also have a couple of Russian guys coming over. They have Vitaly Kravtsov, the forward, plays wing. Well, they'll, they'll have a nice wing mix this season with Kreider in a contract year, uh, Kapokako if that ends up happening, and then Kravtsov. And then they also have Alexander Georgiev, goalie master, and they have another prospect, uh, Shesh Jorkin. So the big question for me is like, 
they were in rebuild. They were in a full-on rebuild. Now they're kind of somewhere in the middle after this Truba trade. What does it all mean for Henrik Lundqvist for fantasy? I mean, it's tough for him because it's hard to say he's going to play 60, 55, 60 games this year, especially with, you know, how well Georgia have played down the stretch. And he's kind of their, you'd think their goalie tandem of the future would be him and Shostorskin. But Lundqvist, he's a Rangers through and through if he wants to be. And it looks like, you know, he probably wants to end his career here. So, He'll be the guy, but he may have to split some starts after what we saw last year. You know, it's not like this isn't the Henrik Lundqvist of old where his name shouldn't get him a top 10 goalie drafted because he's clearly not that guy anymore. I mean, that would be ludicrous if you reach for Hank in the top. T- you'd, you'd be out of your mind for fantasy owners. You'd have to you'd, you'd probably wear a blue shirt every day to work if you reach for <laughs> Hank in the top 10, boys. But I do. I, I like the Rangers prospects. I just I, I want to see what their product on the ice actually is before I go Rangers crazy. Same thing with last year. You, you, you did get the feeling they were headed in the right direction, but I, I just like a little bit more for the eye test. I want to see what they're actually doing next season think about the metro i mean look at the flyers they're wheeling and dealing already in the offseason i'm sure many more moves to be made with them that team with elaine vignol there as head coach i look at as really okay they could take a big leap in fantasy for the rangers i think they can take a couple steps in the right direction but keep in mind we do live in a new york market there is a lot more attention on the rangers and i think just because they have made some good moves i don't think necessarily they're going to be a playoff team next season they were very competitive though i keep looking back to their overtime shootout losses last season Ty for the most in the league so even with all these issues in the roster a terrible defense and aging Lundqvist I mean Lundqvist has had some of the worst numbers of his career the past two or three years and they were still competitive getting games to the distance so uh, yeah I really like how the Rangers Rangers are headed and I think that they could be a team back in contention as soon as this season especially if they make another move I mean there are some big fish in the free agent market imagine you add Duchesne to that mix add Panarin to that mix one of those two all of a sudden, you're looking at a playoff team. If again. they add Panarin, I'm big on the Rangers next year. That would do it for me. Same thing at Deshane, not so much, but Panarin on the wing there, that would be big time for me because then guys like Filipino or Leah Sanderson at center could take the next step in their game too. I mean, there's not a lot of other teams in the division right now that are making splashes. I mean, the Flyers and Capitals did have that trade. The Capitals re-signed Haglin, but these are you know good moves for the Rangers. I think they're going to need a, another trade and perhaps another defenseman really to to get more serious about possible making the playoffs but like I said the other teams the Penguins like no no other teams have made moves right now and the Rangers are early on so I think this is a good start good for them and and honestly guys from the Jets perspective I'm not loving this and and I don't think I'm alone in that the Jacob Truba having that 50 point season finally it was kind of him as the top 10 pick in his draft coming into form a couple seasons late. Like we see defensemen do, it takes it takes a while for some defensemen to develop. But now that Jacob True would hit that 50-point plateau, now he has a new opportunity in New York. The Jets are left with Bufflin, who's aging and injured almost every season now. He's a great player when he's healthy, very valuable in fantasy. And then Josh Morrissey, who we also saw at times, was really, was really a good player, valuable in fantasy last year, but he wasn't he wasn't consistent with that. So next year, you're going to rely on Bufflin and Morrissey as your guys that Bufflin's going to go high in rounds as he always does. And then Morrissey will go late as a maybe a, as a five or six D bench flyer. But to me, for the Jets overall, that's just not the most, uh, I guess, it's not, the, it's not the brightest outlook when you, when you ship a guy like Truba out like that. And what does Neil Pionk really add? I know the Jets are a high-scoring team, much higher scoring than the Rangers, but as far as fantasy goes, it's not like you're rushing out to the wire to draft this guy as a replacement now. 
the team fantasy value for Winnipeg, I think, takes a big hit. Whenever your next team power rankings come out, they're going to be dropping a couple of spots. That's for sure. I mean, I think uh, – Josh Morrissey, I would be inclined to take him as a fourth or fifth defenseman. He hit a career high in points, didn't play the full season on the first power play. Bufflin's injury prone at this point in his career. So Morrissey's a nice, well-rounded defenseman, played with Truba. I think at points he was the better all-around defenseman uh, at different points in the season. So I really like uh, Morrissey's fantasy value as a bright spot for this trade for the Jets. And you got to think that their front office is, is kind of thinking the same way where Morrissey, okay, we saw flashes of brilliance from him last year he can probably put up a couple more points even next year so I do think that Morrissey's a good late round draft strategy as was Truba Morrissey Myers last year as well but Morrissey in fact now he probably does gain value and he's more solidified to have more opportunity this year as long as he can stay healthy and Tyler Myers is a UFA maybe they're gonna have to overpay a little bit to keep him on board because the defenseman UFA outlook is not very good it's like Alexander Edler Jake Gardner from the Leafs and Tyler Myers but back to Truba and his value with the Rangers one question I was asking myself after pretty much appointing him as the first power play quarterback for the Rangers now and moving forward do you think that he is absolutely going to be on that first power play because they do have a guy in Kevin Shattenkirk when if he's not on the first power play could be rendered pretty useless you know I think they actually may experiment with both of them for a while on there just to see what what they're feeling but you know you have a guy like Zabinajad who we know is going to be there probably Kreider but I think you're right Shattenkirk's value has always been on the power play but when you get a guy like Truba and everything he can do you have to he needs to be on that running that point running that power play if the Rangers want to have success there when you make a move like this you're you're signing up for Truba on power play one and I think that that Shattenkirk when he played last year they they saw the same things that we did he just wasn't capable of playing big minutes anymore anything over 20 minutes is too much for the guy and then the same thing trickled down on the power play I mean there's just Truba just brings more presence out there he brings a heavier shot he commands play better. I think this is Truba's power play, top spot moving forward, and his his, his value in our D rankings is probably going to come at least top 30. We might even see, depending on if they do get a Panarin or a big-time UFA, we could even see him go muzzin high a la top 25 when he went to the Leafs at the deadline. Right now, he's among my top 25 at first glance, but you got to see, is Shane Gossespierre going to get traded? Is Ristolainen going to get traded? Where are these guys going to land before we solidify things? But he has a higher ceiling overall, Jacob Truba. He didn't play the full season last year for Winnipeg on the power play one, and I think that he could potentially have more than 50 points this season. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm with you, Pete. I, I do see 50-plus as long as they get another couple names in there. I think that's a given. Let's go to a former Winnipeg Jet, Kevin Hayes, re-upped big contract. Look up the dollars. Your eyes are going to pop, Davey, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Commit to Kevin Hayes for seven years. There are not many good centers on the market, but there's one in Matthew Shane. I can't even imagine what he's going to make now if Kevin Hayes is making that much. But Kevin Hayes goes back, uh, you know, goes back to the division, the Metropolitan Division. Flyers are stacked offensively, and he reunites with Elaine Vigneault, the new coach there. Yeah, this was one of Vigneault's favorite players when he was here, and obviously that's why he wanted to make that move. And when Kevin Hayes can join this team. They got Drew. They got Voracek. We don't know what's going to happen with their defense, but there's a lot of players offensively that the Flyers have, and Hayes is a guy that he can play all the wing positions. We know he does on the power play. I think his value will be 
you know, obviously better than what it was in New York. I'm surprised he didn't do as well in Winnipeg, but I think this is a really good fit for him. He's an East Coast guy. He knows the division. I think this is this is really good. Fantasy-wise, I think he takes a boost here. You I think- like that take, Davey, but I think if it's now it's like Nolan, you look at Nolan Patrick, the guy they committed to at number two in 2017, he's rendered useless. Speaking of guys rendered useless, Nolan Patrick is rendered useless. If he's the third-line center, he's not becoming fantasy-relevant anytime soon, and he has not been fantasy-relevant in his first two NHL seasons. Seasons. So are we penciling in here, Kevin Hayes, number two center, yes. maybe on a line with JVR? JVR and then maybe even Voracek on the right side, which really on paper looks okay. But then you go and you think, well, how does that always turn out? And when things look good on paper, it usually doesn't translate to uh, winning the whole thing or being fantasy relevant. So we'll see. Well, they're probably not going to have to use eight goalies this year, the Flyers. <laughs> so that might help them a bit. You know, offensively, mm-hmm. the guys won't have negative 20 plus or minus rankings. So uh, I'm glad you brought up Carter Hart because to me, this is the guy that could help them put it all together. If you look at dark horse teams after they make a coaching change, like the Florida Panthers, like the Philadelphia Flyers, teams that didn't make the postseason this season, the Flyers are at the top of my list. If their odds are 25 to 1, 30 to 1, that's a great uh, wager. Philadelphia Flyers as a dark horse team in the Metropolitan Division because they have a true number one goalie, one of the best young goalies in the NHL. That is true. There is I, there is always something off about the Flyers, and for years it has been their goaltender position. I'm curious to see what it is this year. Maybe they ship out Ghost, and then they're lost on defense. I mean, there's a number of what-ifs here too, but I do, I, you know, not, not that I'm a Kevin Hayes apologist here, but I do like what he brings to the game. He played at nearly a point-per-game place for pace for the Rangers last season and then when he went to Winnipeg that was baffling that he didn't fit in better I I don't know if it was lack of opportunity lack of chemistry but Winnipeg already had a weird thing going there so I would almost like kind of write that off and kind of give Kevin Hayes some new refreshed upside heading heading into this year with the Flyers he was I mean he was playing on that second line in the regular season I think he had like 13 points in 20 games but the postseason uh, was not pretty for Winnipeg when you know falling apart in that series against St. Louis and he was moved down in the lineup at points in the postseason which is not encouraging and the weird thing about him he had 55 points by far a career high Kevin Hayes this has not been a guy that has scored in the 50s other than last season last thing on the Jets they got guys like Ehlers they have other guys that they need to sign so it should be interesting to see what they do. Well, Joel Quenville, biggest coach free agent, so to speak, signed with the Florida Panthers. We already saw Barkov, Huberto had great seasons last year. Heading into next season, I think Florida right now on my book, huge fantasy potential. Yeah, they're making the playoffs next year with Joel Quenville. That's my, I don't even know if it's a bold prediction at this point because we both thought they were going to make it last year, me and Rob, and uh, they let us down with their goaltending situation. Still have room for improvement there, but you bring in Joel Quenville, the second winningest coach in NHL history, that screams legitimacy for an organization that has lacked it. So I think the the Florida Panthers with Barkov, Huberto, they both hit 90 points. Some of the other players in the mix could have higher ceilings under Quenville yeah and also let's not forget he did coach Panarin in Chicago who could they could be reunited and how good would he how good of a fit would he be with them that only helps the fantasy stock and the Panthers stock but I think you're right Quenville brings credibility to them they already had as you mentioned the two guys who had career seasons but I think they're a team that's going to make the playoffs this year they need to fix some things in goal really but I think they're going to make the playoffs also 
if any of the rumors come true and they do end up signing Panarin or Bobrovsky, I mean, that team's going to Or both. Get, or, right, or <laughs> both together. That team is going to be watch out Eastern Conference. But I think if we're looking at their current roster for next season, a guy that I think is going to take a big step for fantasy is Aaron Eckblad. Keep in mind, he was a number one overall pick a couple years ago as a defenseman. We have yet to see him stay consistent point production-wise. I think this is the year. And a lot of people knock Joel Quenville for how it ended in Chicago, but I always think back to the salary cap fix that they were in, the predicament that they were in those final few years. Things kind of went off the rails. This guy led the Blackhawks to three championships, and the Florida Panthers, I think, have some talent that's capable of getting a deep postseason run in the very near future. They also have a lot of those guys locked up to good contracts for the next handful of years. So they've done well with their cap, and they have room now to sign these other guys. Now, do you think that uh, the Panthers may be making – I was looking like uh, Mike Hoffman as a UFA in 2020, also Dadanov. Dadanov fit in really well with Barkov and Huberto on the top line, but maybe they uh, – like what does this all mean for like a guy like Vincent Trocek, who was great two seasons ago in fantasy? Uh, does he bounce back here with Quenville as the number two center? Without a question, yeah. Vincent Trocek's a really valuable player. He hits, he blocks, he shoots, he scores – I mean, he's, he does everything for fantasy categories. It should be a no-brainer to see him back up around the 60 to 70 point mark on that second line, which could be filled by a number of guys. And then I think even their you know other depth positions like defense too, with Mike Matheson maybe being a guy that you could draft late in rounds, bringing value to. This screams, this, this coaching hire screams fantasy value for every position. So this is a team that going into fantasy drafts way too early outlook. Is this a team that you're drafting multiple players from the Florida Panthers? 100%. I wouldn't say 100% because they still have a 40-year-old goalie and have some issues there, but it's in the high 90s. What's, what is funny, though, Davey, is last season we were all looking at Roberto Luongo and James Reimer as like a potential fantasy steal late in drafts. That's, they need to figure out their goalie position next year. If they don't, we're going to come back down to earth on the Panthers come training camp. It's going to be tough to give these guys any fantasy value until something changes but yeah those are not guys that I would put even in the late rounds I would not put much trust into those guys anymore well then again no one knew who Jordan Biddington was at the beginning of the year and Sam Montembeau maybe he's going to make his case this year after the strong end to last season I mean Biddington was definitely the guy that gained the most fantasy value from the regular season and the playoffs, I mean, Game 7 alone, that's going to stick in people's minds and drafts next year. I can literally see that guy going top six among goalies. I think Bennington is probably will go top five, but to me he's more of a top ten guy. It was pretty much four months of the season, three months. You know, let's see what he does for a full season, assuming this year he gets, you know, 55, 60 starts. The numbers were incredible. It's very hard to reproduce those. Plus, we also don't know what the Blues roster is going to look like. So I wouldn't say he's a top five guy, even though because of what he did, yes, he'll probably be drafted there. It's gonna. It's it's a little risky to take him that high. I mean, as much as I love the value he's gained in fantasy from this postseason, I mean, he's on a very exclusive list. He had the most wins by a rookie in NHL playoff history with 16. He won all of them for St. Louis. But it's an exclusive list of guys uh, that have won the cup as a rookie. There's Patrick Waugh, Hall of Fame goalie, Ken Dryden, Hall of Fame goalie, Cam Ward, not a Hall of Fame goalie, and Matt Murray, we don't know if he's going to be, but he's won two cups. So uh, it Everybody's the still whole sleeping on the Blues. Why, 
everybody's still sleeping on the Blues here, guys. We, we After all the picking against the Blues in the playoffs, I was the only one to learn the lesson and rode off into the Took sunset four with rounds, trophies, but I guess Davey. you did learn. But I, mean. I think the only the logical play, if you do look at Bennington, and Davey, you're going to love this. Buckle up. You're going to absolutely love this take. If you do mortgage your fantasy team on Jordan Bennington next season, you better handcuff with maybe a Jake Allen late-round situation if he's going to be the you know, we'll see. But you might want to do the option one, option two for St. Louis. You lost me there because if it comes down to Jake Allen, they might not make the playoffs next year. That's the risk they would run. So it's Jordan Bennington or bust for me. I think he's worth taking in the top 10. Sure as hell not the top five. Well, the good news is Jake Allen will definitely be there if that's the strategy you want to take it. But I'm also not sure that he'll be on the team next season because – He's been a starter. You know, this isn't ideal for him. Yeah, he won the Stanley Cup, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ship him out. And think about the the defense position with the Blues. They're so strong defensively. Petrangelo, Pareko, Dunn. Uh, I mean, even guys in the playoffs like Gunnarsson played well. They they are so good defensively. I don't think you have to worry too much about wins for a guy like Bennington. I mean, look at a comparable last year. Martin Jones for the San Jose Sharks was terrible peripherals-wise, but he racked up a ton of wins. So in fantasy, you're going to get value from Bennington, whether he's got a 925 save percentage or he's got a 910 save percentage. The value will be there. Mark my words. So Bennington clearly at the top of the list of players who gain the most value from the postseason. Couple other guys, let's ping pong them around. There are some guys in Colorado to me from Philip Grubauer, Nathan McKinnon, now a top five, maybe top four guy in the overall landscape. And Kale McCarr, one of the best rookies on the map entering next season. I think Grubauer definitely gained a lot of fantasy value in the playoffs. I saw him, he, he played very well and he's going to be the starter next season. So that's a guy that he could be a top 10 guy with the way he played. It's true because last season he had Varlamov and him going toe-to-toe. We were trying to project who was going to get more starts, who was going to get better late-game scenarios, whatever, late-season scenarios, I mean. But, yep, now without a question, Grubauer is the guy, and I think he's going to, you know, we're looking at 30-plus wins there. And then on defense, you mentioned McCarr, too. I think that's a slam-dunk fantasy pick. I mean, because Tyson Berry is going to be the guy that flies off the shelves in the first couple rounds. Then you wait, you're sitting patiently, waiting, waiting, waiting. You pick up Kale McCarr late in drafts this guy could be on power play one at times throughout the season if, if anything happens to Tyson Berry injury wise which has in the past we could see Kale McCart explode next season and Tyson Berry I believe is a potential 2020 free agent so it's going to eventually come to decision time if Kale McCarr has a huge season he could eventually uh, usurp Tyson Barry, no doubt, on the power play. Another team I'm looking at for value gain is the Sharks. I know disappointing end of the season, but two guys I'm looking at, Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle. What I saw from those guys in the playoffs really solidifies my opinion that they still have another gear to go in the regular season point-wise. I think Logan Couture does have another gear. He's been a guy in the regular season, usually gets in the 60s this past season, got 70. That's his career high. I'd like to see this guy go out there and have an 80-point season. I think he's capable of that. That. He's shown it in now three different long postseasons. So let's look at that for next year and Logan Couture taking it a step further in the regular season. Yeah, seeing these guys in the playoffs for two, three rounds like I did, if Eric Carlson's healthy, having him and Burns toss the puck to those guys, why can't Hurdle and Couture get 75, 80 points? I see no reason why they, they can't. And honestly, if they do lock up Jumbo Joe and Pavelski and they kind of just quiet down heading into the regular season, that might be the best case news for the Sharks. Last year, maybe they got a little too elevated with Carlson coming in. There was too much hype surrounding them. Then it turns in, as soon as January 1st hits, 
everyone's talking about, will Carlson resign? Where is he going to go? Oh, my God, the Rangers are printing out 65 jerseys already. Nope, <laughs> he resigned in San Jose. He's there. Get everybody locked up and quiet down and head into the season. We might also see this could be crazy, Davey. We could see a Martin Jones bounce back, too. It's funny that you mentioned that. I, I was thinking about that. Eric, So Eric Carlson re-signed with the Sharks, and then the Rangers pulled that trade the same day. So maybe they were sitting on Eric Carlson uh, you know, behind no everybody's back. For sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah, back to Jones for a minute. I know he had almost 40 wins, but the save percentage was under 900. I mean, that's to me, that's not a guy that I want top 10 right now unless those you can get wins from any goalie you know I mean the other peripherals are what you need and Jones for a full season to not show that is very concerning to me it, it really is and that's and then Aaron Dell was a great draft strategy last season as a backup in San Jose but he did nothing either he was just as bad as Jones was if they would have had a guy on the bench that was half decent half you know imagine Bennington in that situation <laughs> he would have been he would have won the he, he could have won the Calder Davey yeah the Sharks may have won the cup and you know the team they beat in the first round Vegas Golden nights a lot of their players took steps forward too that first line in the playoffs Pacioretty Stone Stastny those are guys look at that first line if you have that during the regular season fantasy you're probably winning a lot of money and it extent it's a quartet to me because they play on the first power play with Shea Theodore who has a very high ceiling he's only hit 35 or so points this season bank on him for 50 plus if he's playing a full season on the first power play with that trio stone patcheretti stasny and don't sleep on dallas out west either they have matt zuccarello who could become a ufa on july 1st but if they re-sign him definitely be all over that in fantasy and then rupee hints too was a guy we saw emerge big time dfs that was a hit pick every night he was in the lineup and i think for regular season next year that could be big things for him yeah, between Hints and Miro Haskinen. I mean, Miro Haskinen wasn't on our breakout list because he's too obvious, but don't sleep on this guy in the middle rounds. He could return serious value, even on a team with all those elite forwards and John Klingberg on the defense. And then out west, too, Edmonton made a coaching change. Dave Tippett brought in. The, the immediate reaction here is that Tippett's a defensive guy. Hurt McDavid and Dreisaitl stock at all? Well, it can't be much worse than what Ken Hitchcock did to Connor McDavid and all that defensiveness. And, you know, he still scores 116 <laughs> points, but could have scored a lot more if he was allowed to run free. 130, Davey. Could have been 130. Maybe a deep sleeper goalie now that they have Dave Tippett. I mean, one of the best see one of the best goalie seasons of the past decade was Mike Smith when he played under Dave Tippett. Mike Smith is a relative no name uh, in the grand scheme of fantasy. So Miko Koskinen uh, was signed to that questionable contract. He's the uh, goalie of the present for the Oilers on a team with McDavid and Drysaddle and RNH. So maybe he has a little deep sleeper appeal for me. I like that too. And Anaheim Ducks are a team chock full of deep sleepers. They hired, they hired Dallas Eakins. Good hire there. A lot of young talent, so we'll see what happens. But they did also buy out Corey Perry. So, you know, you kind of give, you take. We'll see what happens. Well, the thing about the Ducks is that he was coaching their AHL team for three, four years. He knows all these young guys. And, you know, they're, they're trying to go away from this defensive, you know, team that they've been the last bunch of years. And the Ducks have a lot of young guys who I think they got Comtois, they got Sam Andre, Steele, Andre Kasha, Troy Terry. Yeah, all, these guys, all day if we're going to wrap right, All off. these guys who this year can be very – they can have very good years. They can be top six guys for the Ducks, and we could be talking about them 
come fantasy. And John Gibson, draft. too, being potentially this, – this is not even a bold take. He should finish among the top five goalies next season if they have any slightly better success than they did last year. I wouldn't be surprised at all to pencil him in for a 930 save percentage to lead the NHL next season, get the Ducks back to the playoffs. I think the Ducks have the perfect blend of youth and that experience, even without Perry. Ben I mean, Bishop Perry's on line a- one, Davey. Ben Bishop, call for you on <laughs> line one. I was looking at this, and Gibson, I think he allowed two goals or fewer in like 20 games, and he only won nine of them or something it was something crazy where that's 10 wins that the guy should have had if his team scored you know three goals for him so I think you're right bounce back for Gibson and guys we're just scratching the surface here we haven't even hit the draft haven't hit free agency we're going to talk to all of you again next week uh, after all the draft picks and trades all the implications looking forward to that and Davey thank you so much for joining us today Rob, I'm looking forward to your coverage from Vancouver from the draft, but also next week we got some NHL schedule. We'll have we'll have a lot to talk about. That's, That's right, Davey. Day. I will be at the draft, so tune into NHL draft class, another in-house production here. That Mike Morial, Adam Kimmelman will be breaking down everything that goes down. NHL draft class, NHL executive suite, and the great one-on-one. Rob, you got your passport ready for Canada, <laughs> so best of luck there. Thank so you, for Rob you. Reese, Dave Satriano. Thanks so much for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice. We'll talk to you again next week.